And um, now it's time. Actually, Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. It is so good for us to be grateful. To be thankful is such a good thing. And it leads into the whole Christmas season. Now it's time to turn the corner into the Christmas season. That kind of came early this year. I don't know, maybe 6 p.m. on Thanksgiving night when Black Friday invaded Thanksgiving. I'm not sure about that. Uh, But the Christmas season is here. Uh, We traveled back. I made a playlist, Christmas song playlist, and we listened to it on the way back. It's time to, to get it rolling. And uh, so we're, we're doing the same here at Church in the Valley. We're going to dig into uh, the event in history that defines what Christmas is all about. We're going to look at this, the fact that Jesus stepped into our world 2,000 years ago. And no matter how many Christmases you experience... It helps to have reminders of what it's about because of that Black Friday type thing that invades our our Christmas experience and just all the busyness, everything that's going on. Uh, Stopping to focus on this is crucial for those who follow Christ. And if you don't yet follow him, I hope this really helps you understand uh, more about Christmas and who Jesus is. But today, we're going to look at how Jesus stepped into our world to connect with people and meet the deepest needs of their hearts. Next week, we're going to look at how he stepped down from heaven in order to do this and became a man, which is probably the ultimate act of humility uh, that, that God has taken. And then the last week, we'll focus on how Jesus stepped out as an example of faith to obey God and love people. Uh, And we hope hope that this this series is is helpful and you're able to join us for the whole time. I'd like to go back now to uh, the first Christmas and read from Matthew 1, 18 through 25, about the time when Jesus stepped into our world. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. To take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, He did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. There there is something powerful about looking into this story, this moment in history, over and over again. It's a reminder of how God uses people to accomplish his purposes in the world. It's just such a great part 
of what God's done to connect with us. Mary was betrothed to Joseph, uh, and she became pregnant in a miraculous way. C.S. Lewis says that a miracle is something unique that breaks a pattern so expected and established we hardly consider the possibility that it could be broken. That, that's a miracle. It's a pretty good description of a miracle. And he, he goes on to say, he, he says that the incarnation, God becoming man in the person of Jesus Christ, is the most important miracle possibly that, that took place in history. Because... Through it, all the other things got into motion. The resurrection, Jesus raising, dying for our sins and raising from the dead. But he goes on to say, if for thousands of years a woman can become pregnant only by sexual intercourse with a man, then if she were to become pregnant without a man, it would be a miracle. Understatement of the year, huh? <laughs> I mean, this is a miracle. This, this is what happened. Now, we're, we're drawn to stories that sort of mirror what God's done in Jesus Christ. The whimsical story of Santa and others like it resonates so widely and so deeply with us because we long for someone who's that good and loves us enough to visit us and bring gifts. We, this, this resonates with our hearts. We we want to know people like this. We want to know someone like this. And better yet, it's amazing to have a God like that who in Jesus Christ stepped into the world to give us a clear picture of who He is and how we can know Him. Joseph was betrothed to Mary and they had not consummated the marriage. Um, Betrothal means that they were committed to be married and it was equally binding to marriage. That's why it states that he thought about divorcing her quietly. Because once you're betrothed, it's the same thing as being married. <clears throat> and so, since this was the case, angels enter the scene to reassure Joseph not to leave her, uh, Mary, for she had done nothing wrong. And this child actually was a gift from God, not the result of any wrongdoing by Mary. Then the angels describe the gift. Now today, we, we can, through ultrasounds, find out the gender of the baby that is about to be born. And here we are, 2,000 years ago, Joseph is given not only the the gender, the name, the, the purpose for the baby's existence. And he's clued into an awful lot. He needed this. He needed, he needed the visit from the angel to understand what was going on. And he finds out his name would be Jesus because uh, Jesus means God saves, Jehovah saves. Uh, and he names him Jesus because he would save people from their sins. His name sort of he would be referred to as Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, if, if Joseph is like me, when the angel visits, there would be an, an unending number of questions that would begin to flow from that visit. 
I would, what, what does all of this mean? It's, it's like when I, when I found out that we're going to have our first baby, it's, it's, it's a, it's a life-changing event. I mean, it starts a, a lot of questions in, in motion. And I remember when we found out, I, I found out in sort of a unique way, uh, my wife had to work, and I took a little brown bag to the doctor, and I walked into the doctor's office, and all the women in the doctor's office were like, what is this guy doing at an OBGYN? And I took, handed the little brown bag to the, the nurse, and then by this time, the whole waiting room had figured out what was going on. And uh, the nurse comes back. It's positive, and the whole waiting group's like, "Yeah, isn't that great?" You know. Well, anyway, so first thing I had to do is find a payphone, and so we didn't have cell phones back then. Found a payphone, called Cindy. Hey, Cindy, you know we're we're pregnant, which is totally backward, I realize. But then, then on the drive home away from that, my mind is racing. There are a lot of questions. Will this baby be a boy or a girl? How in the world am I going to take care of this baby? Is, am I going to raise sort of a, a person who's helpful or a person who's not? And so your mind just begins to wrestle. Can you imagine what Joseph was thinking after the visit from the angel? I, he was definitely sorting what does this mean for me? What kind of impact is this going to make? How is this going to be? Emmanuel is the perfect description of this earth-shattering event. God with us. And here's Joseph. He's going to be responsible for this child. The formal term for this event is the Incarnation means putting on flesh, God putting on flesh, stepping into our world. God went to great lengths to be with us in becoming the person in Jesus Christ. When, when Jesus stepped, or becoming human in Jesus Christ, when Jesus stepped into our world, what happened is a perfect, holy God. To be holy means that you're morally perfect. A perfect, holy God entered a world full of sinful people. And He stepped in to love and serve sinful people like you and I. He, he came to save sinful people who were lost to God without the gift that He was going to give of His death on the cross. He came to sin, sinful to save sinful people like you and me. He came. He came to connect with us. There is no better time than Christmas to express gratitude to the God of the universe for what He's done. Who He's made Himself known to us in Jesus Christ. What a, what a time to celebrate! It's great. We sing, unspeakable joy wells within us. And, and it should. Dr. Seuss wrote about the Grinch, who hated Christmas. 
And I like his description. He says, I don't really know, and I can't say it like him. I don't have it memorized. He's, I love the way he writes things. But he says, I don't really know why the Grinch hated Christmas, but the likely reason is his heart was two sizes too small. <laughs> and so the Grinch despised Christmas and the celebrations that went with it. And he actually stole Christmas. He went from house to house in Whoville, and he dressed like Santa, went down the chimney, grabbed all the presents and the goodies, and took off. He stole Christmas. He didn't want anybody to be happy. He pulled away from others. They, the celebrations were going on, and he just he pulled away from others. The Grinch. You know, and it's, it's an insult, isn't it, to be called a Grinch? It's like being called a Scrooge. You Scrooge, you Grinch. None of us want to be that way. But there is something in us that wants to pull away. We, We have this tendency to pull away from people rather than move toward them. Jesus is the opposite of the Grinch who pulled away. Jesus stepped in to the world to love and bless us. Everyone on the face of the earth who will turn to him, he wants to bless. At Christmas time, we celebrate the fact that God stepped into our world when Jesus was born. This is what we're celebrating. The Gospel of John was written to clarify the identity of Jesus for those who are investigating what it means to follow him. Very helpful book. John was a disciple of Jesus uh, who followed Christ from the very beginning of his ministry. He referred to himself, I love this, he referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And honestly, he loved them all. He loves all of us. But I think this is John's way of saying, I had this real connection with Jesus. You know, from my end of things, I knew he loved me. And that's what we all want. We want, we want Someone who will love us and connect with us. And that's, that's what Jesus did. He stepped into our world to connect us to the living God. He wanted his readers to understand from the beginning who Jesus really was. So this is how he starts the biography that he wrote of Jesus' life. Look at this. John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything that was made. Made, Anything made that was made. He uses the metaphor of the word to introduce Jesus as the subject of his biography. Because John wants to make sure that everybody understands who he's talking about and who Jesus is. This is the one who made the universe by speaking a word. This is him. It's what Hebrews, another book in the New Testament, says. Christians believe in miracles. <laughs> and this is certainly one of them. The creation of the world is a miracle because at one point it did not exist. And through an explosion resulting from the word of God, the universe exists. The, the word in the, the book of John and in the New Testament for miracle is sign. 
That's literally what the word means in the New Testament. Uh, it's, it's sign. And like all signs, miracles point toward something. You know, we have signs and directing people to the parking, letting people know that we're here. It's pointing to our gathering, our worship time here. All signs point to something. They're about whatever they're pointing towards, not about themselves, but they're about what they're pointing towards. Genuine miracles always point toward God to confirm his power or establish his identity or both. The miracle of the virgin birth establishes Jesus' identity as God. That's what John's telling us here. In the beginning was the Word, the one who created the universe with a Word. He brought it into existence, and this is him. He, he, He says, make no mistake, Jesus is God. Most of the world believes God created the universe. In a book called Miracles by Eric Metaxas, that I just began to read. He asked, if God could speak the universe into existence, could he not afterward speak into that existence? Could, Could he not step into that existence? Most of the world believes God exists. So why couldn't he step into our world in the person of Jesus Christ? John continues, and he shows us that uh, he did step into our world. John 1.14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's an important phrase. He was full of grace and truth. He, che- he stepped into the world, Jesus did, to show us that God himself who he is, is full of grace and truth. Grace, I like this definition from this Bible dictionary, undeserved acceptance and love received from another. Practically, it means that Jesus gives us what we need, not what we deserve. So he steps in, and we're all wondering, what is, how is God going to treat me? How is he going to relate to me? Is he going to be unpleased with me? Is he going to squash me or what is he going to do and Jesus steps in to show us that God gives us what we need not what we deserve truth in this instance is something real not just a shadow so Jesus steps in and he doesn't he's not just showing us a shadow of God he's showing us God himself he is God himself he brought the truth about God and his life and life out into the open John explains why these characteristics are important as he goes on in verse 16 and 17. From the fullness, and from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law was given through Moses. The law showed us the right way to live according to God. That's, that's the purpose of the law. And the Jews thought, and honestly, we would think the same thing, that the law was given to us so that we could live in a way that would earn our salvation and approval from God. And this makes sense. That makes sense to us. In fact, 
Santa Claus is actually more like Moses than Jesus. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a lot like Moses. He checks the list. Have you done right? Have you done well? Then I'll, I'll bless you. God shows us through Jesus that the law wasn't meant to be a ladder to climb your way to heaven, but it's sort of like an x-ray machine. It shows you that you need Jesus. It shows you what's in your heart and that you fall short of what God wants and you need someone to obey perfectly for you. And that's what Jesus came to do. We can't be perfect. Through our own efforts to purchase salvation. Jesus was perfect for us and he paid for our sins on the cross so we could be forgiven and be graciously welcomed into heaven. So Jesus entered our world to meet our deepest need. That, that's why he came. We're created by God. The fact that we have not done what our creator made us to do, this is the core problem of our life. So Jesus stepped in to help us with our core problem. God made us to obey him, to do his will. But none of us have done that. We've all gone our own way. We try to make up for that by being good or by pretending that we haven't been all that bad, but it's no use. God is the one we, with whom we have to do. We, we have to answer to God. So Jesus stepped into the world. God himself stepped into the world to give us the grace we need rather than the punishment that we deserve. When someone shows grace to me, I don't know about you, but when, when I've disappointed someone or I have been harsh with them and I deserve harshness back or I deserve them, for them to be angry with me because I've let them down and they give me grace, that, that motivates me. And that's what God's grace does in the person of Jesus Christ. It motivates me to want to please Him. It moves me. If we follow Jesus, grace motivates what we do and the way that we relate to others. In Jesus' birth, God made a major move toward us out of love and kindness. And this is the way He bridged the gap between us and Him. Over and over during his time on earth, Jesus kept moving toward problems and problem people. He kept, he kept, the exact opposite of the Grinch, who was moving away from people, he kept moving toward people over and over again. When, when everybody's running out of the burning building, he's running into the burning building in terms of relating to people and helping them with their problems. Jesus wants his followers to do the same thing. He wants us to move toward people and show love and kindness and particularly grace to those around us. We step into our world to share the grace that Jesus has given us and to share the message that God's grace has been made known to us in the person of Jesus Christ. So Jesus' followers step into their world to share his grace and the message of his grace. We don't aim to give people what they deserve. I mean, we want to, and sometimes we do. 
You know, we're not perfect. Jesus is. God is. We're not perfect. Um, But we aim to give them what they need. As followers of Christ, we need His help to do this. But our goal is to give people what they really need. If they're cranky and critical, we continue to show love. Even when they're demeaning, we realize they're valuable before God. And we show kindness. We tell them about Jesus who meets their deepest need. When asked to give the greatest commandments, Jesus said, number one is to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Number two is to love your neighbor as yourself. By Jesus' definition, a neighbor is the person right in front of you. Now, it's easy to to love in general, isn't it, sometimes? But to love the person right in front of you Sometimes that's more difficult because they not, may not be the most lovable person in the world. And then there's barriers in us. To show love to the people around us, we have to fight through some barriers. And there are some barriers that keep us from stepping into our world. Number one is business, busyness. Rather than moving toward people, we're busy with our own stuff. We're preoccupied with our own interests. Another one is fear. Sometimes we don't take initiative to move toward people and make things right with people, to show kindness to them, to show grace to them. Just to say a word, to let them know that you're not angry. We hold back because we're afraid of rejection. That, that causes us to shrink back. A third reason, barrier, that we have is bitterness. We've been hurt. We haven't forgiven. And that open wound keeps us away from people because we we don't want them to touch it. It's sore. It hurts. Fourth barrier is frustration. People people just don't seem to change. I mean, I'm tired of this. You know, it takes a long time for people to grow and change and they have bad habits and maybe they never change. But God is the ultimate model of patience for us. He's patient with me. I'm a hard-headed person. I don't change very quickly. And he's so patient with me that we're to pour that out. We're to get past that barrier and show patience to others. Another reason or barrier that keeps us from moving toward people is technology. Uh, we visited my, my mom, uh, Cindy's mom. I call her mom now. After 20 or how, how long? Ooh, 35 years of marriage. It goes fast. Anyway, we were visiting her, and she had a birthday party in the beginning of November. And one of her requests was that everybody would put their technology away at the birthday party. Because usually everybody is, you know, looking at Facebook, texting, doing whatever, and they're distracted. That's a barrier. It keeps us from connecting to other people. Since God made this epic move toward us in Jesus Christ, He became a man. The followers of Christ should make the same move toward the people around them. To share His love, to share His kindness, and to give grace that people so desperately need. We make the move toward our friends, even when they aren't that lovable. We make the move toward our family. Even when they're cranky, 
We make a move at work toward our coworkers in the middle of our frustration with them. We still aim to show kindness, whatever that looks like. At school, when somebody lets you down, you make, you make a move. This, this is what Jesus did. He stepped into a world that was messy. And he kept connecting with people that he was criticized by the religious elite for connecting with. Because he was full of grace and truth. He saw Santa's list. He could tell, you know, he knew who was naughty and nice, and they were all naughty. All of us. But still, he stepped into our world to connect with us because of grace. He gave us what we needed, not what we deserved. One of the amazing realities of what Jesus has done is he stepped into the actual world that exists. And our world is far from picture perfect. I want to wrap up the message by giving you an opportunity to look at how we can love our neighbors in practical ways. How we can move toward our neighbors. And remember, neighbors you know, are not necessarily the person next door to you. They are. They're included. Um, but it's anybody who is near you, right in front of you, in the situation you're in. And so we've given you an extra handout in your program. If you take that out, I'd like you to look it over with me as we wrap up the message. But we've included, we've put in here some practical ways to move toward people, to show love and kindness and grace to them as you, as you walk through this. Um, with your family, you could express gratitude and bless your parents for the role they have played. Uh, make a phone call to express care for a family member. As I read through these, think through what God might want you to do. Um, serve your parents by helping with a project at their house. Write an encouraging card to a family member, highlighting the good you see in their life. Forgive an offense. God forgives us by His grace. He's patient. Offer to host a family gathering and set your heart to serve. Don't make it about you. With your friends, encourage a discouraged friend. Ask God to help you figure out how to do that. Offer to babysit for someone. Aim to have an interaction where you only ask questions and listen. Uh, take a friend to a movie and let them choose the movie. Help a friend with a project. Write a note to encourage a friend. With your neighbors, anonymously give a family in need a grocery store gift card. Learn the names of your neighbors. You may not know their names. Pray specifically by name for each person or family surrounding your house or apartment. Serve an elderly neighbor. Pray for neighbors in crisis and be available to serve them. Organize a block party to help your neighbors meet one another. Walk around your block and ask God to give you a vision for what He wants your neighborhood to look like. Pray for them. Pray over your neighborhood. Invite your, a neighbor over for dinner. With your coworkers or classmates, help someone who is overwhelmed to address a specific goal or obstacle. Pick up the lunch tab for a coworker. Bake something. Grill something. And, and share it with your coworkers, classmates. Now, for me to do that might not be the best idea, baking something. I can grill okay, but baking. So if you're good at baking, that's a way to bless people. Um, 
offered to do a chore for the group at work. Volunteer to do the project that everyone is dreading. Just throw it out there. Okay, I'll do it. I'll bear the weight of that. These are practical and tangible ways to love people. To show kindness to them. To give grace. This reflects what God has done in Jesus Christ when He stepped into our world. To show grace. Not ignoring the truth, but dealing with our deepest need by paying the price for our sin. He, he, he loves us deeply. And so whenever we step out, whenever we move toward people and show kindness to them and give grace, we're reflecting the love of God. And that's what Christ followers do. As I wrap up the message today, I'd like you to pull out your connection card. And if you would, finish completing any information uh, on that card that you haven't had an opportunity to fill out. And uh, as I do that, as you do that, I'd like to ask the worship team to come on up and begin to get ready to lead us in some more singing. Um, Here are some next steps as a result of what we've looked at that you may want to take. First step, pray daily for my neighbors through 1225, through Christmas. Think about the ones you actually have the actual neighbors in, in your vicinity, neighbors, co-workers, friends, at people at school, classmates, family. Uh, think, 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 through, think through who your neighbors are and pray for them. Um, second step, show love and kindness as I have opportunity to or make make a move toward them in some way. How can you do that? We've looked at that that list of things. Maybe there's something that caught your attention. Circle that. Make a note of it. And step out to show love. And then we'd also like to ask you uh, to consider the Christmas offering. Uh, this this is a way that we actually extend God's work. We, we give to this offering uh, every year. And we use the, the money from the offering to extend God's work in the world. Uh, we've set a goal for this year. The goal is $12,000. Um, and uh, I'd like to ask you to consider giving to the offering over and above your regular tithes and offerings to do so. Could, could you scroll the screen up a little bit? Um, we did some math, and with a goal of $12,000, uh, if um, everyone... Uh, well, actually, we did some math to try to figure out uh, how we would reach that goal, how, how we could come together to reach it. And the, the offering is going to go to uh, the Alhambra campus here. We've extended ourselves as a church to plant this campus. Uh, it's going to go to uh, some members of the church who are working in Central Asia to a portion of it to help them with their work. Uh, Christian Challenge Ministries, student ministries on campuses here in Southern California, the Hope Global Network, which is a network of churches that we're a part of, and to Lottie Moon, which is an offering that is taken every year to go straight directly to international missions and missionaries who are working overseas. So that's where the offering's going. And... Um, I'd like to ask you to pray over and consider how, how to give to that.
offering. We, we can reach our Christmas offering goal if. Now, here's where we did the math. One person gives 12000 That That was easy. I mean, that would, that, that, that'd be, it's done. Or 25 people give $480. Or 50 people give $240. Or 100 people give $120. Or 150 people give $80. Or 200 people give $60. And whatever the Lord lays on your heart to give to this offering, if he does, we'd love for you to do that. So please pray and consider what you'll give over and above your rather regular tithes and offerings. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your goodness to, to us. And Lord Jesus, you stepped into our world. And we want to step into our world in practical ways. I, I pray that you'd help us do that. That by your grace, we might have the strength and energy to love people the way that you love us. And God, just pray as we're uh, considering the steps that we're to take, that you'd give us the energy to take those. I pray that, God, as we're considering this offering, that you'd motivate us and give us just a picture of what you want us to do in regard to that. That you might be honored and glorified above everything, God. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.